0: You're listening to The Sportsman's Nation, brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is the fastest-growing social media app that is designed specifically for outdoor enthusiasts. Whether you love to hunt or fish, camp, or just be outside, Go Wild is the social media app for you. Go check out Go Wild on any place that you download apps or visit their website, timetogowild.com.
1: Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine fingered host, Dan Johnson.
0: All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. If you haven't Go check out ExodusOutdoorGear.com because their trail cameras are badass. They have two different options and you need to take a look at them because if you like running trail cameras and you like running trail cameras that have good quality pictures and work when they're supposed to work, then you need to check out Exodus Trail Cameras. Now, today we are joined by returning guest Mike Perry and Mike Perry is one of those guys. He lives in... Pennsylvania this story takes place in Ohio really close to where he lives and you talk about someone who gets it done every single year Mike Perry gets it done and he gets it done a lot he's pretty consistent with killing big mature bucks and this story specifically is about a buck that he has had six years worth of history with and he ended up killing this buck when it was an eight and a half year old so that number one killing an eight and a half year old buck anywhere is amazing uh let alone i mean the antlers on this deer are are pretty impressive as well so this buck had it all and uh that's what this story is about man is uh mike perry getting it done in ohio so but before we get uh, into this podcast one more commercial real quick and we're going to be talking about lone wolf tree stands now you guys hear me talk about being mobile right all the time and being able to you know go where the deer are at hunt fresh sign you know not specifically not you know not hunting the tree that fits your tree stand but being able to hunt where you need to be and that's why I was successful this year because I was mobile I was able to bounce around to where there was fresh shine uh, or, you know, based off of what the wind was doing at that specific moment, I was able to get aggressive, get in a tree and cut where I think this deer was, uh, cut the wind where I think this deer was coming in and uh, having a, a mobile setup like a lone wolf is very, 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 Good, if especially if you want to have encounters with specific deer, or you know, put yourself in the right position every time, a mobile setup's important. So, um, first off, you just need to go to Lone uh, Lone Wolf. Go to their website, check out their tree stands, and if you do decide to purchase a tree stand from them, you can use a discount code, and you're going to save fifty dollars off of all orders over. 200 bucks and that discount code is nfc50 and uh, that will get you 50 dollars off of all your purchases over 200 dollars. so take advantage of that now enough whoring out let's get into today's podcast with mike perry all right we have a returning guest today mr mike perry how you doing man good dean how about you Oh, I'm doing wow. good, man. And, and from the uh, the looks of the picture that I see on social media, you're doing exceptionally well. Yeah, pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, I think, you know, we're going to keep the intro real short before we just dive, right? No foreplay today, okay? No foreplay. Okay. We're going right into it. Um, so just to remind everybody where you live and what do you do for a living.
1: I live in Northwest Pennsylvania, and uh, I'm a supervisor for uh, newspaper and trucking.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So, you shot a slob. Uh, what what uh, what day did you end up killing this deer? I shot him on the 4th of November. No, November 4th. Oh, that's crazy because that mm-hmm. was the day that I shot my buck as well. It took me a day and a half to recover him, but that's the day I ended up mm-hmm. sh- ended up shooting him. And I think what I want to do is just dive right into this story because this is a, is roughly a six-year story of this buck, right?
1: Yes. Well, you first started showing up on trail camera in 2012, the year we had the EHD hit the farm real bad. Okay.
0: And just uh, just a precursor, you live in western PA, and th- this farm that you hunt is in Ohio, correct?
1: Yeah, I live in northwest PA, but it's, um, I can be the northeast Ohio in about a hour drive from my house. Okay. So I hunt there quite a bit since like the 80s. Gotcha.
0: So this is one of those, uh, it's a, a farm in an over-the-counter state, which is really close to your house, so it's a no-brainer to take advantage of it, right? Yep. Perfect. All right. So the first question I want to ask you is on this specific farm, why don't you describe it? Tell me what the acres are. Tell me what the terrain features, the timber, ag ratio, all that stuff. Break down the farm for me real quick.
1: Okay. Well, the farm is 500 acres altogether. Two sides of the road There's 250 acres roughly on each side. One's like 247. The other one's 250. Um, The one side is mainly all flat bottom land, um, with the crick going through it in a big swamp and the other side is all hardwoods oaks um has some uh, ravines going through it, a little bit of topography on that side um the farmer is that owns a property basically uh he farms cattle he just raises cattle he he doesn't milk or anything like that like beef cattle so he has there's a lot of um you know hay fields in, on the farm in, in certain sections And then he rents out the other fields, and there's soybean and corn, you know, crop rotation every year. We also got a lot of uh, oaks in there, a lot of white oaks, swamp white oaks, all down in the bottoms along the swamp where I killed this buck, and and they were loaded this year. And uh, then on the other side of the road where the more mature timber is, there's a lot of red oak, some white oak too in there, but mostly red. Gotcha. So really
0: good habitat, right? I mean, uh, is there good numbers in this uh, in this property, from a yeah, quantity standpoint, yeah, a pretty standpoint. good amount
1: of deer. It, it's it's coming back. I mean, in 2012, I found 17 deer dead in one day oh you know, from the EHD, and it was it was pretty thin, and that's why I kind of didn't hunt the farm hard for a couple years after that happened. But I always kept cameras there, and I'd always you know give you it know, give it a, a hundred to two. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Now it's starting to come back up. This has been six years later, so we're starting to get numbers, but nothing like it was before the EHD. Um, especially the doe numbers. Um, there's a lot of hunting pressure in the area. There's a lot of Amish community in the area, and even when the EHD knocked the deer down, that didn't stop them from shooting the does. So it's it's been slow, but it's 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 pretty good.
0: Right. So. That's one thing that I'm starting to hear rumblings of in the the areas where I hunt, uh, my main farm down an hour south of where I live. Uh, There's rumors that EHD has hit and hit pretty hard. And I know that late summer, a lot of the big bucks disappeared. And typically, there's a, a shift uh, at some point throughout the year but this was a huge shift. Um there was a lot of deer that didn't show back up or they went away or you know maybe it was a little crop rotation, maybe it had to do with a big acorn crop. That's what I was thinking, but now that I mm-hmm. now that I think, you know, man, this EHD hit and the rut hit and my trail cameras weren't showing any mature deer. I w- I got I got worried. So, yeah. What did ehd from a percentage standpoint do you think to the area that you were hunting in that in that part of the state
1: um where i was at ehd knocked it down to uh, i would say 20 percent to 25 percent of the herd was left after it was done i mean it was it was totally i mean devastating even in, in pennsylvania over by Um, Poma they had, they have an area there that you're not allowed to hunt. There was hundreds and hundreds of deer they found dead there. So yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. In fact, I went from when I, you know, I was pretty excited in 2012 before the season started because I was getting a lot of pictures of some good deer, you know, I mean, not, not the bucks usually aren't on that farm, you know, in the summertime they're, they're on other farms and that, and that kind of saved us a little bit on bucks, but, um, there was just a lot of does down in the areas I had my cameras and I was, you know, check my cameras every two weeks or whatever and, and uh there would be hundreds and hundreds of pictures wow and i was you know pretty fired up about it and then after that happened i would i, I don't know if i had a hundred pictures the rest of the season wow so it was it was bad i mean it was I, i'd never seen nothing like it it was the only time i've ever heard of ehd in this area close to where i live uh, hopefully it never comes back so. yeah did that coincide with a really dry summer yeah, yeah, that that was it. I think EHD hit hard a lot of the United States that year. Yeah. So. Wow.
0: That's uh, 75% kill-off rate is just absolutely mind-boggling. That's crazy. When you
1: find 17 dead deer on, uh, you know, 200 acres, that's, that's quite a bit. And that's just the ones that I found. And, I mean, they were laying in the creek. When I went down to check my camera, I could smell the deer, you know. Yeah. Uh, I had walked on a fawn, and I, I'm like, what the heck is this fawn? You know, what did it die from? I couldn't believe it. I get down to the creek, and I walked out and looked into the creek, and there was a deer almost every 50 yards laying in the creek. Wow. wow.
0: and That was crazy. Man, I hope I don't find that during this shed season, man. That would, uh, that would suck pretty hard.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it hurt. I had to start, you know, going out and looking for new properties to hunt because, you know, I love – spend most of my time. I usually will hunt my biggest bucks, whether they're in Ohio or PA spend my, my vacation, whether, you know, if it's PA or Ohio, that's where I'm going to go. But, you know, I knew that that farm was going to probably not be, you know, worth hunting for a few years.
0: Yeah, so. absolutely. Which makes this story all the more interesting because this buck, you know, you, you're saying you killed him as an he, yeah, buck, eight year old. He eight and a half year old, Yeah, eight and a half year old buck. And he survived that big ehd outbreak right and yeah he was actually one of the few deer that showed up on my cameras that year right all right so so after the ehd hit you kind of disregarded that as a place to hunt um and but you still kept cameras on it right to see what was there Mm -hmm. okay so yeah
1: always ran cameras there at least six yeah
0: Gotcha. All right, so on this on this specific property, what was it about this specific buck that caught your attention in 2012?
1: Well, in 2012, I just knew that he was a nice-looking two-and-a-half-year-old, and the reason why I was able to identify him, his, his uh, G2s and 3s always – Kind of like bowed in like a banana, you know. Right. They didn't go straight; they always curved in, and and I and I and that's how I was able to keep track of him over the years. And he just, you know kept kept getting bigger, you know, and then they, then he went down a little bit, and then he got bigger again. So, you know, I don't know if that had to do with his health at the time, or if he was run down a couple seasons or whatever. But it fluctuated with the size of his with his rack. Okay, so
0: was he always a ten pointer, or was his first couple years? No, he was
1: always an eight. Always an eight. This was the first year that he had the, that he had the extra points, but he had a lot of extra junk that seemed to grow in there this year. Right. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So he was always an eight. Um. So in two thousand twelve, mm. you you got your pictures of him. He survived. When did you first hunt that property again after the EHD
1: outbreak? Well, I didn't hunt it in two thousand and twelve at all. I just kept track. Uh, Twenty thirteen, I started getting pictures of him in 2013 and he was a nice three and a half year old, like in the one twenties, I would assume. And I, you know, I wasn't interested in, in shooting him. So I didn't really hunt for him that year. And I really didn't hunt that farm that year. There wasn't really any other, any big ones showing up on camera there. So I just kind of went to another farm and, and started hunting a couple other farms over that way. Gotcha. So that wasn't w- affected. Gotcha. It was just uh, a nice deer, uh, you know,
0: not necessarily hitting your uh, your age range as far as uh, maturity and or antler size. So he, you know, he just got the pass because he, um, you've killed better over several years, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, in Ohio, I mean, in Pennsylvania, I'm not going to be as picky, but right. you know, I'll shoot a three and a half year old anytime in PA, but in Ohio, you know, I don't really need to. Right.
0: Okay. So, As far as the quality of bucks on this area, in this area, the EHD hit, you know, uh, this buck survived. Did any other bucks uh, in Ohio, in that Ohio farm survive that you kept tabs on, or did it just chop, like, all the mature bucks down?
1: There was one on, I I, I was hunting three farms within a couple mile radius, and and most of the EHD hit this place because it was a, was a, a swamp bottom, you know. There was a couple bucks, and that's why I named this buck Boss Hog, and I had the other one that I named, Roscoe, and he was on the other farm, you know, was going with the Dukes or Hazard theme. Right, right. But, uh, So, yeah, Roscoe was around uh, all the way until last year. He didn't show up, and, and I, I knew he made it through the season before that um, because he walked by me after I'd already killed a buck. He walked by me 40 yards one day when I was hunting for a doe with a shotgun. it was like, you know, so... I knew he was alive then, but I haven't seen him since, and that was in
0: 2016. Okay, so um, from 2012,
1: 20, you know,
0: 13, 14, 15, and then you said 16. There, did you have him on trail camera uh, the entire time, every year? Both of them you're talking? No, yeah. the buck that you shot, the buck uh, that you yeah, shot this hog, year.
1: Yeah, every year. Yep, every year.
0: And you said, and you said he took a dip. Uh, one year and then came back from it. What year what year did he go downhill as far as antler size was?
1: It was uh twenty twenty sixteen he wasn't anywhere near as big as he was in twenty fifteen. Okay. You know, so th- that that was just strange. Then in twenty seventeen he he you know, he he was probably like in the one forties, you know, for a buck that old, you know, you would think that he would score higher, you know, but that's that's what he was, you know, and then and, and this year he really blew up. So
0: gotcha. So question is as he was a mature deer in 20 what 2014 would have made him a four-year-old was he on Mm -hmm. was he on your hit list at all through through that time frame or were there oh yeah yeah okay and it what why didn't you connect with him was it a deer you were specifically hunting was it just uh coincidence that your paths didn't cross or what's the deal well it,
1: it was a buck that i I didn't just target him. I seem to have better luck when I do that last few years. And I was kind of hunting a few different bucks on a few different farms within like a 15-mile radius. So, you know, I didn't really put it all in on him. Now, there were some other guys that were hunting the farm that were keeping real good tabs on him, and and they called him a different name. They called him the Jesus Buck, as I said, the first time they saw him they just thought Jesus. But once we got (laughs) together and started talking about it, we decided on Box Hog. Everyone liked it, so... But yeah, they were seeing him. In fact, he almost killed him. The one guy's name's uh, uh, Scott Christie. He almost killed him in twenty fifteen or twenty. Yeah, I think it was twenty fifteen. It may have been twenty fourteen. But yeah, he had he had a close call with him. But I had never seen the buck in daylight okay, until but, the day I shot him.
0: But you did have Ever. D- you did have uh, trail camera pictures of him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where do you think this deer's core area was? Was it on your property? Or was it on a neighboring farm, and he just visited the property that you hunted?
1: Yeah, he he just seemed to be on the property for a, a handful of days, um, every you know week to ten days. Which I've I've seen that happen with the buck that I shot in 2016. That was an older buck that I had been chasing for a few years, and he was doing the exact same thing. He would he would be around for a little while, and you'd almost never get pictures of him. At least I almost never got pictures of him on the same camera. Um, after he got his picture taken, and he and he, he for whatever reason, I know they don't know that they're having their picture taken, but he just didn't like it. He wasn't cool with cameras or tree stands. Gotcha. At all. He, I, I I tracked him in the snow before Darren gun. In fact, last year and and he circled around down at every tree stand we had set and walked behind every camera we had. I followed him forever. Wow. And he, you know, I don't know if that was by accident, but <laughs> I'll tell you what, it sure didn't seem like it. Well,
0: wow, and that's crazy. You say that because. um I had a camera in a tree trying to catch a guy stealing my trail cameras this year and mm-hmm. I I had my the the camera in the tree pointing down on the camera on the ground and you would be surprised how many deer actually walked right behind my trail camera for some reason and it's just like I didn't I don't have pictures of that buck you know, like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know who that buck is, but he decided he was going to walk on the opposite side of the trail camera every single time. So I don't know, like you said, Makes you wonder. yeah, I don't know if they know that or, or what the deal is. Yeah.
1: I, I wouldn't surprise me when it comes to older bucks or just,
0: you know, right. They're just a different animal.
1: Right. So,
0: so you felt that his, like where he was betting most of the time was on a different farm.
1: Well, yeah. He he. For one thing, I never got any pictures of him on the opposite side of the road than where I killed him um, down in the creek bottoms. The only is the only area I ever got pictures of him. So as far as I knew, he rarely went across the road, and I knew of two places that he would bed when he was on our farm. Just through scouting. I mean, I do I, I scout a lot in the off season, and um you know just putting together the pieces of the pictures I had, the pictures that Scott and Matt had, and and um trying to figure out you know identifying bedding areas that you could, with lots of rubs right in the beds and stuff that i figured was buck bedding on the outside of some work some does bedded so i figured he was that's what he was doing or just one on was on one side of the creek and one area was on the other side of the creek it's hard to get to the area across the creek if it floods like we had this year gotcha
0: okay so <clears throat> you know it, it sounds like you kept track, you know, track of him uh, throughout the whole year. And you did start to hunt this farm, you know, it, back again in the, you know, the 16, you know, 2016, 17 seasons. Um, when did he, was it, was this year the first year that he became like a almost blinders on type of buck where, yeah, you're, there might be some other deer that you'd shoot. But, you know, with, with the big jump from 17 to 18 It sounds like he was almost number one on your hit list.
1: Yeah, he was number one no matter where this year. And, and, uh, you know, last year he really wasn't number one. There were several nice bucks around, so I, I didn't, because there was other bucks that would score higher and were, you know, also mature bucks that I was, you know, I was just trying to kill any of them. I didn't just try to concentrate on that buck. In 2016, I was on a buck that I had been hunting for three years on a different farm about 10 miles away and I, and I and I put all my time in the rut into that buck and finally ended up killing him on the 14th of November right that was that one I think I told you about before it's a big drop time but uh that yeah that buck there super freak got he encompassed all my time that year and I think I hunted uh where boss hog was that just once yeah once or twice that year I wasn't in there very much in 2016. Mm. Gotcha. So it was mainly 15, 14, 15, and 17 were the years that I, you know, was after him. And then this year it was like all in.
0: Right. All right. So 2018 comes, you get pictures of him, and now he's number one on your hit list. Uh, and you know you're going to have to start putting some, you know, more thought towards this piece of farm, you know, this farm. Because you, you've been hunting this farm for so long— was it just going through the steps again, or was there any new strategy or tactic that you felt you needed to put in place for this specific deer?
1: Well, I, I, I definitely stepped up the uh, amount of trail cameras I was using this year. Um, I scouted a lot more in the in the spring. Um, last spring for him, I had found the sheds of another buck that they, they scored 147, the sheds, so that was a buck I called Shorty. He's He's still in there right now, but he, uh um you know. So I was co- between those two; those were the two that I was, you know, really on. I, I, I put more cameras up. I just put more thought into, you know, my preparation. I started realizing that I'm probably not going to kill him in a stand that's been sitting there before. You know, I mean, I hunt mobile a lot, and I did that a lot. I do that a lot throughout the season. You know, but I also have, you know, pre-hung stands on on farms that I rut hunt. You know, so. You know, I, I decided that I was probably going to either put the stand up real late or just hunt them mobile the whole season because I was afraid that any stands up buck knew about, he just wasn't going to go by. Now I might be being too paranoid, but that's that was my approach to it anyway. So
0: right, so so was it? Uh, so was it a just stay out of there until it's time to hunt type deal?
1: Yeah. Okay. I went in there. Yeah, I hunted um, that cold front we had around the twentieth of October and then um really not much um in down in the creek bottom down where i knew he was until uh you know my
0: vacation started around halloween gotcha all right so kind of taking a step back uh did you have this deer like as the seasons you know progressed and you know, let's say october 1st that's when you can start hunting in ohio or is it like the 15th mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was around. I think it was the 29th. Was the first day of this year. Okay, so yeah. September 29th. How often did you check trail cameras uh, on that farm? And you know, because you live an hour away, hour or so away, how 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 often did you check trail cameras? And did those trail camera pictures tell you anything specific about this buck's activity?
1: Okay, well, in in the summertime, I run cameras on this farm all year long, and I never take them out of there. And uh, in the summertime, I knew that that buck wouldn't be in there because most of our mature bucks aren't, aren't on the farm. I, for whatever reason, I can't explain it. Maybe there's just better food on the surrounding farms, and that's where the bachelor groups stay. But, um, so I didn't really worry about it. I checked the cameras like maybe once a month. You know, He never showed up in the summer. I think the first day I got a picture of him was the 15th of October. So I had, after the season had started, I don't think I went in there and checked cameras until the first time I, I hunted
0: and that was mid October, On the twentieth. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, when you checked those trail cameras, what did you see?
1: Uh, he was on a couple of the cameras, and he was trending the way he had the year before that we that we had getting pictures of him. He, he walked north south trails, usually from the north to the south, and and uh, that he, he didn't catch him going east west much. Now, in twenty fifteen, I had a, a good setup for him. I thought I'd kill him, and he was heading he was going east west. But he'd only walk that trail when there was a north wind, and there's just no way I could get in there the way the, the way the the tree there was no suitable trees to get in. You know where I had to try and kill him at it, it just couldn't happen. I tried I tried hunting him with the south wind, and every time I wasn't there, that's when he'd walk by. So you know I'd get wow. pictures of him on the camera, but but yeah, he he trended last year quite a bit uh, on that north south travel, and that's what he that's what I noticed this year when I checked the cameras and I started getting pictures of him. That's what he was doing again.
0: Okay. So, so you kind of had a you kind of had a something you had to figure out because you you had what? You had bad access on a north wind.
1: Well, in that in that situation where that with that area that I was hunting um I did, but not where I killed him at. No, it wasn't wasn't bad on a north wind where I ended up killing him.
0: Okay. But I hunted
1: him with a totally bad wind anyway, but uh, well, that's a whole different story, but I can tell you about it later, but Yeah. So.
0: And let's get into that because you know you said it's kind of a crazy story. Um, why don't you? Why don't you first off describe? You know, did you? Okay, let me back up. You you said that this deer was pretty weary, right? He he stayed away. He always came yeah. downwind to tree stands, and he did not like trail cameras, right?
1: So that was my yeah
0: yeah. So my question to you is, um, did he did this buck? Did you did you have to do a run and gun set for this for this buck, or did you already have a tree stand in place to where you were where you killed him at?
1: I was hopping around with my with either my lone with climber or my or my lone with the sticks. Uh, the first six days of my vacation, for the most part, um, just trying to try different areas. I you know um, around just trying to catch him and. Uh, Actually, the stand I killed him out of, though, I hung in a rainstorm two days before I shot him. It just, you know, as you know, it was raincation in November this year. Yeah. I mean, uh, late October, early November, it just seemed to rain all day long, every day. And it killed my, where I thought I would kill him would, was across the creek. And there was no way I was ever going to get across that creek you know, without a canoe or something. And just wasn't, you know, wasn't in the cars to hunt him over there. So I knew I was going to have to hunt him down in the bottom on the, uh, you know, west side of the creek. And I went in there in a the rainstorm and put that stand up because there was this trail in there that he'd like to run that North, that North South, but there was a trail in there that kind of went from the Northwest and, and, and to the Southeast It is it angled. And I thought maybe he would, and, and, um, I thought maybe he would, you know, want to, want to cut through. And There's some good bedding, doe bedding areas right in there. There's actually three of them right around where I, where I put the stand at and, uh, I was just hoping I was going to catch him come down that trail, and uh, I figured I was going to have to give him the wind, and and that's that's what
0: I did, and that's what happened. So when you say give him the wind, because I gave my buck the wind this year, and it was a real aggressive set, right? I was, I still think that somehow this deer made it through my scent stream, uh, downwind to me at some point before he popped up. Okay, so mm-hmm. I. You know i cut I was cutting the wind really hard how How aggressive were you with this particular wind setup?
1: Um, I sat totally in a stand that I figured the deer was going to come from downwind um, on a crosswind and that's what he did it, it was the wind that day was it, at least where where I was it was starting off uh, northeast and it was going to go east and it was going to go southeast so basically I'm on because of the trees that I had to choose, there was there was really nothing else. Like this area is, it's real thick. I mean, it's it's really thick in there. There's not a lot of trees that you can get in. I mean, I guess you could get in some real low off the ground, but where I wanted to hunt them, there was a big swamp white oak figured that a, doe, a lot of does have been been uh, visiting. I had pictures of a, a bunch of does feeding there, and I just you know figured I was going to have to hunt you know hunt them with with the wrong, with total totally wrong wind, but. The nice thing about the fourth of November was the thermals were rising that morning, and I don't think—I mean, I know he walked right through my wind, but he—I I don't think he ever smelled me. I mean, I was floating the milkweed all morning long, and it was staying up most of the time. Sometimes it would drift down, but you know, I think I just got lucky that the time when he came through at nine in the morning—that's—you know—it was—it was—it was still up. floating high. Mm-hmm. Wow,
0: that's awesome when you can work a when you can work a tree stand setup like that. That's. That's deadly if you, can, if you can find those areas where the deer are using the wind but your, th- your thermals are going up and it's like you're not mm-hmm. even there. That's, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's, I, it's, I've been trying to do stuff like that the last few years and it's, it's worked out pretty good for me in the last couple of years in Ohio. So, so let's see here. So what about your access? You know,
0: with a bad wind to, uh, you know, while in the tree, did you have mm-hmm. bad wind on your access route to the tree stand as well or
1: no actually I had a good I had good access when I was it was in my face the whole way walking down with, with, with the exception of the last maybe 100 yards where I had to head south a little ways but yeah okay it was, it was in my face all the way down to the stand and, 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 the, and, the, and, the, and the weird thing about this whole story is I I, 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 I busted what was it? I think nine, nine does. I got, I got there a little bit late that morning because some friends were meeting me to hunt there. And, and the one guy had never been there before. And, and I had to kind of like, you know, talk to them guys. about what where where to, where to set up and this and that on the other side of the road from where I was hunting. And then my other buddy was hunting in the same side I was in. And I had to wait for him to get all the way down because of the way the wind was blowing to get him to his stand first. And by the time I got down there, it was already gray light. And I blew two does out walking down, then, uh, when I got near the stand, there was five of them. Uh, the turkeys were, had been roosting there and I thought it was turkeys. I, I heard one fly down and I was like, Oh, I hear something, you know, it's just the Turkey. So I, I kind of started st- walking a little quicker than I normally would. Cause I usually creep in like really slow. I don't care how long it takes me as long as I don't make noise. Well, right. there was five doe there right like by that. my stand and they, and they took off and they snorted and they ran towards my buddy, Ryan, the direction where he was hunting at, And, uh, So I got up in the tree, and right when I clipped an arrow off the quiver, I hear a snort, and right on the trail that he came down, and eventually, a couple hours later, there was a doe and a fawn, and they saw me move up in the tree, and they snorted for, had to be 10 minutes. I mean, they just wouldn't stop. I mean, I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Right. (laughs) You know? uh, It seemed like everything was was going south, like real fast right there.
0: Right. So when, when something like that, happens right I've in the past uh, let's say whether a a doe or um, a buck in the dark or even they bust your scent uh, while you're in the tree they get down windy or whatever and they just snort and they snort and they snort and they snort and you know like 10-15 minutes and then they finally go away Mm -hmm. have you ever do you feel that the timber can recover fast from that or have you ever had like similar luck where you know Oh, a deer came in, you know, an hour after that. Because typically when that happens to me, it's like that area doesn't recover.
1: Well, I've noticed the opposite. The last couple, uh, that like I refer to that buck I shot in 2016 over there, again, that super freak buck, right before um, I ended up killing him, there was a doe that I knew couldn't smell me, didn't know I was there, and she snorted and snorted and snorted. And then here comes this 140-inch buck walking you know she heard him walk i knew that's exactly what it was and then he started chasing her around and then then the buck that i ended up killing started you know came in and then there was another buck. i mean it was was pandemonium so i don't know that even that it really bothers him all that much i used to think that it meant game over but i do remember going back to early years having deer snorting and seeing other deer 20 minutes later or whatever and uh, that's pretty much happened with this buck because it was so quiet that morning I, i i would say that he had to have heard them doze snorting at me I could yeah. hear geese on the beaver dam you know getting nervous and you know how they start you know clucking and stuff and when something's walking close to him and I think that's when he, where he was coming from it sounded that's the direction he came from and I think that he was coming out of the out of the big swamp and and uh, you know he he had to have heard if I could hear that the, them geese I, I definitely think he heard the snorting I, I don't I don't know that it really matters all that much you know it could, he, in his mind, maybe he's thinking that the doe's snowing at another buck. Yeah, you know that's bothering her. You yeah, know? absolutely. So. All right, so
0: so you're set up. You're in the tree, and your wind is sh- what shifting? Oh, like ninety degrees. So it's going from northeast to southeast, and you had good thermals. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to get a I'm trying to get an idea of your tree stand compared to where he he came. You said he was cutting your wind what at sideways? So were you on like he, he came? Yeah, he was coming. He was coming low to high.
1: Yeah, he came from from on that trail from the northwest that that leads down to the creek to the southeast. Gotcha. So okay. he was, you know, in my um, in the you know, it started off with like a northeast, and it kind of went straight east, and then went southeast. So yeah, he was he was walking. We had to go all the way through all that to get to me. Okay,
0: so. That trail that he came on, was that the trail that you were hunting? I mean, did you th- mm-hmm. did you say, okay, he's going to come from there and he's coming to here?
1: That's what I had hoped, yeah. Okay, so,
0: so it worked out. So it worked out. All right. Yep. So mm-hmm. why don't you just walk us through the rest of this, right? From the moment you saw him, break it down, what he did, what you did, to the moment you, you ended up shooting him.
1: Well... The, the other crazy part of all this is I had been standing up the whole time and I, I shot him it was, it was, I think it was quarter to nine and, uh, I'd been standing up the whole time and I have one of those, uh, hooks custom, you know, the wooden grunt call, you know, yeah. in my pocket on my right side. And I sit down for the first time just because I had been hunting, you know, six days all day long and my back was, you know, so I sit down in the seat and when I sit down, the call comes out of my pocket hits the metal stand, King lands on the ground, hits the leaves, and I put my hand in my head and I think, what else can go wrong today <laughs> after blowing all them dough out? And right when I did that I heard a snap and I looked up and here comes Boss Hog forty yards walking right towards me. No shit. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't think he ever heard it. He you know, I mean he right. was just on a mission. Right. He, I, I think in you know hindsight what happened was those first dough that busted me that donut fawn you know i think that he because i didn't see exactly where they were standing when they snorted and first jumped you know but i'm pretty sure that he was on her trail and and um he was just following it and then when he got to about 40 he you know and and i'm thinking i'm not going to get a shot at him you know because it looked like he was going to go the way the does went he just turned and and just kept angling down the trail because the trail kind of came at an angle you know and he just kept coming until he got to 22 yards. And, and I shot, and when I shot, I could see the arrow was like, you know, honestly God, it was like slow motion. I, I saw it going right into his heart. I mean, it, it was just like the greatest feeling ever, because I knew that that, that he wasn't going to go very far. He, he ran about 60, 60 yards and, and hit the ground started kicking around and got up and went a little bit further and fell over and everything just went dead silent. Wow. And, uh, so, yeah. It, it was, so it he was did a, everything a, he
0: was supposed to do from a from when you see him to when you shot him it was one of those moments mm-hmm. where it was just a, and what i he had no it,
1: clue i was there
0: yeah that's awesome when it when it works out like that because and
1: i've had especially when they come in downwind like that or on a crosswind like that where he was basically walking where he could go through my no matter which way the wind was coming out of the east or a little bit or northeast or southeast or whatever he was he had to walk all through all that so that's why i feel like you know my, my scent had stayed up above him he had no clue i was there he was not alert at all right
0: man And that's just a, uh, it's just one of those things where learn how to hunt thermals because maybe mm-hmm. that's what was going on at, on my hunt as well maybe the, my scent was staying above him and or i don't know but uh if you can if man you can get so aggressive from your strategy if you have really good thermals Uh, It's amazing Mm -hmm. what you can get away with.
1: Well, a lot of times, you know, I've I've noticed, and I've been I've been using that milkweed for years and years and years before it became popular with everybody. But uh, you know, I I, I, sometimes it has to do with the area exactly where you're set up to. Because like this area, there wasn't a whole lot of trees. There was some swamp white oaks in there. And they're, they're not like, you know, one after another in this spot. There's another, you know, there's one here, there's one there, there's a short one over here. And I've noticed that, you know, in the morning, a lot of times your thermals stay high when it's, when the sun's out and that, and that's what, how that morning was. It was, it was sunny. Um, and I'm in an area with not a lot of trees. So the sun's hitting the floor of the, you know, hitting the ground all over the place around me. So, you know, that only makes sense to me as the ground starts heating up, that that helps. In an area where it's not, you know, it's not as many trees around and branches that it helps keep your scent up, you know. And right. if I would have been in a, you know, closed canopy with a bunch of leaves, it might have been a totally different story. Yeah, absolutely. So.
0: Absolutely. Well, man, that's awesome. So, did you get it? Did you score him at all? I just want, like, describe him uh, um, so so people know what he is.
1: Um, he's a uh, mainframe ten, but he, he doesn't have real long browser G fours. But he's just you know massive he had uh, like 11 and a half inch g2s and I think 10 inch g3s um he had a couple of stickers he's like a low 160s okay. you know but real heavy though and a lot of perlation on on, on the antlers you know um just uh the, the the main thing i mean I, i'm not wrapped up in score don't get deer scored i don't i really don't care about that i mean i know yeah. the deer that i want to shoot when i see it and just the fact that how old the buck was is like the main thing for me you know that's that's what i really focus on that, that he'd been around that long and that was able to kill him that's the second eight and a half year old buck i shot on that farm over the years the last like 10 years yeah so so eight and a half, eight and a
0: half is your oldest deer you've ever shot two of them
1: other than fall other than not fawns. <laughs> yeah other than the fawns no other than doe i've, I've shot a have shot a doe before that they um that um had aged it, it was like 11 and a half or whatever had this tooth cross section wow uh, that's yeah. not so yeah. well
0: congratulations on ohio man that's one one hell of a story one hell of a deer and um thank you so now are you going back to pa and finishing out the season there, oh, yeah. or do you have anything else going on for you
1: no pa um uh, you know i've had a couple closed calls here um you know, but, both before and and right after I shot that buck. I have two young boys, one's eight and one's ten, and I take them out and and take them hunting. I did that most of early October. That's kind of nice because it keeps me off of my better spots, and, you know, the the kids are fair weather. They don't want to be there very long. They want nice weather. They want to sit in the blind when it's 60 degrees out and see a deer, like, within 15 minutes. So early October, that works good, you know? So, but uh, yeah, right, right around when my vacation started, um, I had a I had a real close call at the nice ten down the road here, and and uh, there's a couple other. I, um, right after I had shot that buck on, I think it was Friday, the what is it, eleventh or no, it would have been the ninth. Um, I had one sneak up behind me, come up the creek bank, and come up, you know, straight down wind under me, and, and it was drizzling that day, and the thermals were dropping, and he he busted me right before I could shoot him, but. Um, and that was at noon, was 12 o'clock. I just got done eating a sandwich, and uh, but now I'm gonna still be hunting Pennsylvania. Heck, there is a bow's done in the area I live in right now. The gun season starts the Monday after Thanksgiving, and I like to still hunt and try to shoot bucks in their beds. I've had a lot of success doing that over the years during guns. So, and then plus me and my friends, we, uh, we go push bedding areas, and you know we've been doing it for years, and we can always kill big ones. So. Awesome. That's what we'll be. At. That's what we'll be doing here once gun comes around. So
0: perfect, perfect. Well, Mr. Mike Perry, man, I really appreciate you taking time to uh, hop on the podcast and share the story of this buck. No problem, man.
1: Anytime. Thank you.
0: All right, huge shout out to Mr. Mike Perry, man. Congrats on getting it done on a stud of a buck. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to download and listen to this podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Go to iTunes and leave a 5-star review if you're if you're if you love love what I do, whatever. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Huge shout out to all the partners of the podcast: Exodus, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Prime, Ripcord, ozonics and hunter safety systems man without their support this is not possible um there's no way my wife would be letting me put this much time into something for free so <laughs> with no money or no return so huge shout out to those guys as well uh, and please go out and support those companies because they support this podcast so it's kind of uh, uh the circle of life so to speak other than that man uh Hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. There might be a couple less podcasts this week uh, than normal, just because of the holidays. But uh, the following week, we're going to be back at it again. And uh, man, I tell you, we are we're rocking and rolling here on the Sportsman's Nation. And if you if you haven't already, please go and subscribe to not only the podcast, all the podcasts on the Sportsman's Nation, but also you know sign up on the website. For our mailing list because you know, we're eventually we're going to start sending out a lot of great content um, on that mailing list and um, make sure you follow us on social media. Not only the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Sportsman's Nation but all of the uh, content contributors uh, because there's a lot of great content that comes out every week on the Sportsman's Nation and uh, you guys need to take a look at that as well. But blah 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 I'm done talking. Uh, our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding us to please wear your damn safety harness have
1: a good week